Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series one by one. There will be no spoilers for future episodes, but we will be discussing details from previous episodes. I'm Harrison, and I too recently got my hair cut, and it is very adorable, although currently not combed. (laughs) And uh, I'm Jason, and I can't believe I'm at table four. I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, really. Uh, Harrison, what episode, which shares the name with a really good Kelly Clarkson song, are we watching this week? We are watching Buffy episode six, or season six, uh, episode 11. It's my bad. I probably threw you off with that <laughs> Kelly Clarkson reference. Uh, gone. This is the one where the trio accidentally uh, makes Buffy invisible. Um, Buffy... Uh, is delighted by this and spends the day reveling in all the bad behavior she can get away with, uh, but does ultimately uh, reach a slightly, if not completely, healthy place at the end. And it is as silly as it sounds. Yes. <laughs> um, Gone was written and directed by our boy from Angel, David Fury. And originally aired on January 8th, 2002. So this is like our first... Mm-hmm. So this is after... Was Wrecked a... Um, Wrecked was like November. So we, that was like our mid-season finale. Yeah, what a bad Interesting. one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, hit Jason. Yeah. What are we drinking today? Uh, how about some screwdrivers, baby? Yeah. Uh, I bought some orange juice last week because John was making a fancy brunch and we still had some. So that's what I decided to make. Classic drink. Also, probably the only time that I'd actually eat, or eat, wow, <laughs> drink orange juice. I'm not a, the biggest fan of orange in general, mm-hmm. but the orange juice with the vodka great mix it is a great mix i i do quite like orange juice um uh and i I will say i prefer a mimosa over a uh over a screwdriver you're so white but uh, i mean a screwdriver is still a pretty white drink it it is but uh, (laughs) compared to a mimosa that's just like oh how can i make this whiter (laughs) but jason can't have mimosas or he'll die so um i i think like uh Typically, um, in mixed drinks, like a lot of those, like, uh, whether it be the mixer or the, uh, alcohol, I think like it gets flattened enough it's to... mixed. Yeah. Well, so... we're not risking it in my house. Well, fair enough. <laughs> he, he, Harrison just doesn't want me, like, they, they're, they're getting the whole house clean for their housewarming party. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't want me to just like upchuck my dinner from last <laughs> night all over this room. So here's our library. Here's the living room. That stain in the corner is where Jason vomited everywhere because he drank some Sprite. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to hear when it happened, <laughs> Booze and Buffy latest episode. Subscribe. <laughs> the end is spelled out. A and <laughs> All right. Um, you got the toast this week. Yeah, I got the toast. So um, I'm gonna go a slightly somber, more somber route for our toast I this week. Figured you would. Um, so uh, this week uh, we had, in Louisville had a pretty horrific uh, shooting. Um, three actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Um, uh, so the the first one, the one that happened on Monday downtown, actually was uh, very scary because it happened uh, very close to where John works. Um, he wasn't there. He hadn't gone in yet. Um, but I actually was downtown when it was happening. Um, and not super close to, to where it was, but close enough that we were... Um, because uh, we had a show that day and we had kids there on a field trip and so you know we we're trying to figure out like um we ended up the kids who were already there we just were like we're gonna keep them here i guess we're gonna do the show like um but anyone who hadn't gotten there yet we called and said like turn your buses around go back to your school we'll get you rescheduled yeah. um so um but you know all of that pales in comparison to the you know the actual victims and their families um, so, you know, we just want to raise our glass to them, um, and, you know, to the end of this horrible scourge of gun violence that is easily fixed in our nation. So, I don't want to say cheers, but... Not easily fixed. Yeah. It can be. easily fixed. It again. can be, but people like standing in the way of it. Yeah. So, I'm going to say, yeah, we'll just raise our glass, um, and... All right, let's that's, move that's, on. That's, that's some good proportion of orange juice and vodka. Well done. Thank you. Um, so yeah, moving on to uh, uh, slightly lighter things. You know, just some. Magic it's really hard drug to say that when you're going into season six, Buffy. <laughs> right. Um, so you know, it's funny you mentioned this is the mid-season finale, and of course we've talked about before that. Well, it is like the idea of a mid-season finale wasn't really a thing. Like, it really just was, like, the we, holiday break. Yeah, but th- there have been um, episodes like Amends that um, definitely are, like, a nice way to kind of leave the series yeah. for the holiday break. Yeah, I just don't think it was such a deliberate thing oh, yeah. in this time period. I think it's right around here is when that started to become, a, like, a, oh, we're going to be off the air, so we need to have, like, a cliffhanger or, you know... Um, uh, you know, in this days we have seasons that are part A and part B, mm-hmm. which I'm still sometimes just like, okay, but why not just call that season whatever in season one? But I'm not getting on my soapbox about that. Um, it's for award show. It, it is. It is. <laughs> um, and you know what? Listen, if that means the Rhea Seahorn gets another shot at that Emmy, I'm for it. I mean, you know, she's not going to get it. I know. But I'm st- because you know award shows are bullshit. Well, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we open up with uh, trying to move, remove all of the magic stuff. Yeah, because uh, you know Willow's got a detox. Yeah, they're getting rid of all the magic paraphernalia in the house. That means tarot cards, crystals, uh, crystals, candles, uh, the fertility statue Coco Pelli, uh, which Don is very upset about. Here's. Here's the thing. Um, I guess maybe I just didn't notice it, but I feel like the switch that Dawn made, and I was just as confused as Willow in, like, the switch that Dawn made from, like, you know, just being absolutely pissed at Buffy. Yeah. Oh, it comes out of nowhere. Okay. <laughs> it's not just me. No. In fairness, we, this is the first, you know, we don't see her at the end of the last episode um, after Buffy takes her to the hospital. So, and she's still like in shock. And um, 
But... I can She's feel, really cold. I feel Dawn's frustration at the end of the episode. Yes. Or like near the... Like when basically she... Her only encounter with Invisible Buffy. Like I get that. I get her like, you know, wanting to talk to somebody but not being able to see them. That can be extremely annoying. But just... The way that Dawn is like treating Buffy at the beginning... Like it, it's... There doesn't seem to be a logical jump from where Dawn was to where she is now. Yeah. yeah. And she even said, and I know Buffy tries to justify it by saying it's like, because Willow's like, you know, I get it. I get why she's mad at me, but why she pissed at you? And I guess just, I guess we do have to remind ourselves that we are talking about a teenager and teenagers don't often act rational. Um, But I, I do wish we I wish we had gotten to hear Dawn vocalize her feelings instead of Buffy vocalize her feelings for Dawn. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, then I could be like, well, Dawn, I disagree with your perspective, but, like, at least I know what your perspective is. Here we get it secondhand from Buffy, which just kind of removes some of Dawn's agency. So she just comes across as a dick. Yeah. Um, now, I will say, I am on Dawn's side about Coco Pelli. Because apparently this was Joyce's. Yeah. And I can see how that could be... I could see why that would upset Dawn, but I feel like there's an easy solution there. Just let Coco Capelli go to Dawn's room. Like... Yeah, but like, I mean... Don't even tell Willow that's where it is. I I know, but Willow... If there was magic in it, Willow could probably (laughs) sense it, and I can easily see, like... Buffy being spooked by the idea of Willow Jones and for some magic and going into Dawn's room to get it. Okay. So then we're going to take Coco Pelli to Xander and Anya's and Dawn gets I'm, visitation. I'm honestly <laughs> a little surprised that Xander isn't there helping helping Buffy with this. I'm honestly just... I, I get that Xander and Anya are busy with their wedding planning, but it seems like Xander has been... You know, he made the comment that... Buffy's kind of been absent from the whole Willow, like, getting addicted to magic thing, but I honestly haven't seen him. Yeah, this in... is the, really, this episode is the first time yeah. we we see him interacting with Willow. We hear him talk about it a lot to Buffy and to Anya. Um, but just generally this season, Anya and Xander both have felt like they've been really on the yeah, on the outskirts. Basic, basically since Buffy's resurrection, mm-hmm. they've kind of just not even been there and it's it's like oh yeah they're in this show too when Buffy goes to the magic box yeah basically so far I would say this season anyone whose names aren't Buffy Willow or Spike have been a little shortchanged um you know Dawn got her Halloween episode and um all the characters got pretty good focus in Once More Feeling and Tabula Rasa I would say but otherwise it um, it's been really heavily dominated by those three characters, which, like, that's not necessarily a criticism. Like, sometimes that's just how stories unfold, but yeah. um, it, it, it does, is It weird. does make things seem awkward. Yeah. And throws off the vibe of the show just a little bit. And this yeah. this episode has plenty of things that are weird vibes. It's, yeah. Um, so, Buffy, uh, uh, Buffy gets is trying to get Dawn ready for school. Xander is supposed to be picking her up, uh, and this is when Spike comes by. He just 
happens to be in the neighborhood under his smoking blanket at presumably like what we're gonna say let's assume school starts at eight and dawn is late so maybe we're i could say it's like maybe around yeah like eight in the morning yeah um but he is looking for his lighter we should rewind a bit um because buffy while looking for magic things to throw out and explaining to willow or explaining to dawn why it's what they need to do for willow she does find spike's lighter and the parallel is already so on the nose we don't need the flashback but we got it anyway but we get it anyway and the willow magic Buffy Spike parallels. I don't like that equivalency. I don't either. I like the Willow and Buffy parallel much better at the end of the episode when they are talking about how, like, we're not feeling great about where our lives are right now, but we feel like we've taken the first step yeah. to make it better. That really worked for yeah. me. And that, that's where I'm getting really they're, frustrated. They're really, yeah, they're really trying to build this equivalency between, like, oh, Willow can't quit magic. It's like a drug. And Buffy can't quit, like, uh, hot pig sex with Spike because <laughs> it's like a drug. Yeah. It's... It's not... I don't... It's it's not a great equivalency to it, make. It's not. And, like, I, I don't mind the... Like, Buffy and Willow are on self-destructive paths, and we're going to parallel that. But the, just this... It's just all so on the nose. Mm-hmm. And that's really frustrating because I'm like... There's a really good story here. There's a really interesting story being that could be being told, but instead, Buffy has to say uh, that uh, to Buffy and Dawn, candles are just candles, but to Willow, they're like bongs. Yep. And don't forget the magic weed. The magic weed. Okay. The magic weed line is... I'm actually really glad you mentioned that because uh, there is a meme that's just Buffy saying it's magic weed that is there I've, I've never seen that I always just I always want to post it for, on our account for 420 but I'm like can't spoilers <laughs> Jason do you know when this episode is dropping oh my god Four fucking 20 wow <laughs> <laughs> fantastic I am so excited excellent <laughs> <laughs> Like, I was, like, looking at the calendar, because I really was, I, I, I kind of, like, a few weeks ago, I was like, wait a minute, like, our, our, uh, we're gonna be in the, the drug arc in April, oh my god, what episode's dropping on 420, and I was looking, I was like, it's gone, it's when she says it's Magic League, <laughs> yes, to the stars of the line! Fantastic. I'm, I'm, so, this is, this is really the happiest I've been in a while. Well, I'm glad. Um, but, uh, yes, Spike comes in looking for his lighter, uh, he gets, uh, Don, uh, Willow goes upstairs, uh, doesn't even look like she finishes cooking her omelet that she was making. Yeah. Um, I mean, it didn't look bad. It looked all, like all she standard... really had to do, yeah, all she really had to do was flip that, yeah, flip that omelet closed and, uh, probably could have had a decent breakfast there, yeah. but. She's having a rough time. She, she yeah. bit off more than she could chew with an omelet making, apparently. Um, so, so the first couple times you try to make an omelet, um, whether it be the first time or coming off of a magic drug bend, yeah. bender, uh, 
it, it's tough. It, it's very much is like the sacrificial pancake. Exactly. So I don't blame her. Um, but yeah, Spike gets some. Uh, I'm sorry, I have to say this. Uh, just some fingering in. Yeah. No. He's 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 totally rubbing on. I like using his hand to rub on Buffy's and Buffy's bikini area. I guess. We're, Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm still getting used to the various doors in this house. So, like, um, it was funny last night. I um, this door behind me was like slightly open because we don't um, we don't latch it while we're sleeping because cars coming by cause it to like rattle mm. in the. But I also had the window in our bedroom uh, open. This was pretty hot last uh, night. Yeah, it's pretty warm, and I was so I was just lying in bed. Um, John hadn't gotten home yet, and I was watching some, uh, Superman, uh, animated series. Nice. And just, like, this nice gust of wind hits, and just, like, this door just, like, slowly creaks open. <laughs> I'm just like, fuck me. <laughs> um, but, um, anyway, yeah, he is, yeah, he's... He's rubbing He's on going at it, and, uh, this is when, uh, Xander comes in. Xander blissfully unaware Xander. Good thing he keeps his, like, his eyes at, like, eye level with Spike and Buffy because Lord knows, like, if he had just come looking down, he'd be like, whoa. Well, there is that island. So it's entirely possible the the island was blocking. And Buffy did have a spatula, like, raised. So there was a lot to draw his attention away from from that situation. Uh, But yes, Xander does... uh, unwittingly and unknowingly insult Buffy uh, when he tells Spike that uh, only, only a simpleton... Head, only airheads or crazies would, yeah. uh, would hook up with Spike. And listen, on behalf of Harmony and Drusilla, rude Xander. Um, they are heroes. They're not, but I love them very much. <laughs> one of them is very much not a hero. <laughs> and the other one is... Uh, too stupid to be a real villain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love that about Harmony. It's it's like she's evil, but too dumb to be good at. It. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah. So Buffy gets uh, Spike off of her. Gets Xander and Dawn. Uh, tries to get them out the door. And but they are met by Doris Kroger from Social Services. Now, I I I'm, I don't know much about like child protective services and how all that works. Although my sister in law is a social worker, um, and I might actually next time I see her, I might pull up this scene with Doris and have her watch it and be like, and be like, just tell me your thoughts on on her. I'm not necessarily going to defend what Buffy does to her later. I'm not going to defend a lot of Buffy's actions later. But this woman comes in, makes a lot of quick judgments, and without any context, doesn't even bother asking follow-up questions of Buffy. And based on the fact that Buffy didn't know who she was, means this is her first ever visit. And I, I get that some of the things don't look great on the surface, but I just feel like if you are a social worker, part of your job is to be like, is to ask those questions. But so um, my uh, my old housemate, uh, I won't share her name just in case she doesn't want 
like it shared. She actually, um, when she moved out of uh, my house, she actually started working for CPS. Hmm. And um, she, like, I, there were times that I would, like, call and just be like, hey, how's the job going? And she ended up quitting it because there were times when um, she, like, did have to actually, like, take children away mm-hmm. from their parents and she said that she just couldn't go through with that like that was like wrecking her mm-hmm. so the way that like and that's like and you know I feel like in real life it like you have to have very good reason to be able mm-hmm. to remove children from the custody of their parents um, there is like almost nothing to go off of with this visit but it does seem like she's very quick to like you said she's very um doris is very quick to jump to all these conclusions and it i wouldn't say she's gleeful but it seems like she's looking for a reason or it's it's look it seems like she is expecting buffy to come up with a reason as to why she shouldn't yeah it feels like she walked in with her mind made up yes she doesn't give anybody the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. and so i do think that this is more kind of like let's make this an evil social worker yeah pretty much um i don't think that it's representative of what social workers and cps people actually are like yeah i think they try to I think they try to like only remove children from dangerous situations. Yes. It's um now, I don't know that for certain. I'm just going off the very limited back and forth I've had. No, that is but you you are correct. Removing a child from the home is is like the last resort sort of situation. Um now I do feel like maybe a situation like this with with Don and Buffy might be treated slightly differently because Buffy's not the parent. Right. Um, but even then, I you know, the the desire to keep a family together is typically, you know, if 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 there is a way to make that happen, that's what but like, you know, I know my sister in law, she's I you know, she's she's like in charge of like her department where she, uh, where she is and so she's like always on call and will be down like visiting for like holidays and stuff and she'll have to step away to take a call because a situation has happened and it's always like really rough um so uh but yeah she comes in uh she is basically makes a comment about don being late for school um there's a great moment where but she's like we had an appointment and buffy's like yeah for wednesday and she's like it is wednesday and Buffy just looks to xander for confirmation it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah it's like it's it is frustrating to be like it's a stressful morning it's presumably the next day uh after after, after yeah I, um so of she was in a car i honestly i would have kept her home from school that day personally um but i mean you know the way that dawn is immediately like snapped into hating buffy she would have just left the house anyway true. that's true yeah it it's um I do have to give credit to Sarah Michelle Gellar, though, because, you know, because I never don't give credit. Right. <laughs> um, she, uh, I wouldn't say that this is, like, one of the best bits of awkward acting that I've seen on the show, um, the awkward humor, but 
it pretty much is all reliant on Buffy with like maybe a little bit of input from Spike. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is like that's just a lot of stuff to do in one take. Yeah. And she, um, and yeah, she got through it and managed to like keep the tone of it. Uh, honestly, I think like the weakness is just in the writing. Yeah, it's there's a lot. She's very funny. We know this about Sarah Michelle Gellar. She, you know, we we praise her dramatic acting quite a bit, but like I feel like we we sometimes don't draw attention to the fact that when she needs to be funny, mm-hmm. girl is funny. Um, did you ever watch um, the Crazy Ones? With her and Robin Williams? No, I wanted to. Um, I actually think, like, isn't that what she won her People's Choice Award for? I think so. Uh, yeah, the only reason that I know that is because I think my mom randomly had the People's Choice Awards on. And uh, I saw that, like, it was the category that she was up for. And um, and I love, and I remember her, like, winning and going out on stage and watching it. And I do specifically remember her saying that... Uh, after like thanking like you know the obvious people like Robin Williams mm-hmm. and like her agent and stuff, she does say like, and I and I feel really bad that I haven't said this before, but thank you to everybody who watched, supported, and loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Aww. And that was like, oh, and I don't know if like maybe she just didn't get accolades for it, or maybe she was just maybe she was trying to distance herself from it after after how successful it had been. But uh, I do like. I do think, like, she spent a lot of time, like, not associating herself with Buffy. Yeah. No, and I think that's true of a lot of the cast of the show. I mean, it took up a major part of their lives, mm-hmm. and now we know that it wasn't always a particularly pleasant part of their lives. Um, but I do think in the last 10 years or so, the cast has really re-embraced it um, and the love that people have for it. Which is, like, it's not... That's not surprising to me. Like, I... You know, I, I think people expect actors to get really attached to certain roles, and some do. But like, it's a job. Like, it is. Um, like, I, I do have to say though, I I don't expect it. But when an actor like fully embraces like people's love of the role, and then like mm-hmm. makes it, I love it. Like two of the people I got to give shout outs to, and they're like, I love watching their social media feeds, like their Instagram feeds is, uh, um, and they're both star Wars related mm-hmm. is, um, Ashley Eckstein who vote, who voices, who is the original voice of Ahsoka Tano mm-hmm. in the clone wars and rebels. And, um, She's played by Rosaria Dawson in the uh, Mandalorian, the upcoming Ahsoka series. But people, like, I mean, Ahsoka really has just kind of become the Star Wars character for, like, the generation that didn't grow up with the Mm -hmm. original trilogy, aka the toxic AF generation. (laughs) Um, But, uh, and it's, it's so, it's so nice to see, like, you know, how, like, her just kind of, like, I think anytime there's a uh, there's a Star Wars event that she goes to, um, she uh, like Ahsoka Tano. She's a um, she's a, not a Twi'lek. I can't remember what her actual species is, but she's one of the ones that has like the tendrils yeah. or whatever. She actually like takes like she puts her hair into like two pigtails and then like um, gives them like temporary dye jobs of like blue and white streaks. So Cute. yeah, I love no, that. no, yeah, and. And, like, you know, there are Soka gatherings and everything. Basically, people who just love this character. And, honestly, amidst all of, like, the hate and vitriol that Gen X man babies have been throwing at 
Star Wars as of late. It's nice to see a group of fans love something about Star Wars. And then more recently, because of like her, while she did like play this role in the animated form in Clone Wars, she's gained a lot more attention for it. Playing it in The Mandalorian is uh, Katie Sackhoff as Bo Katan. Mm-hmm. And she is just like, I feel like. She was kind of uh, under the radar for a while after Battlestar, and then she, uh, and then she just kind of like really came back into the social scene with um, Bo-Katan being in The Mandalorian. Yeah. And um, mild spoilers for this season of The Mandalorian. Hold on. What? No, no, incredibly okay. mild. I was like, like we're a couple episodes she, behind. So yeah, I was like, she's like, she has a, she's pretty much become like the other main character. Oh, yeah. Like she. Like, the series is now starring Pedro Pascal and Katie Sackhoff. And various puppeteers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. yeah. Uh, Ahsoka is a Togruta. Togruta. Thank you for looking uh, that up yes. on Wikipedia. 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 Oh, oh no, actually. I'm actually <laughs> oh, it is Wikipedia. on Wikipedia. She actually has her own Wikipedia. Part. It makes Maybe. sense. She is, like, probably the most prominent, like, non-film character I was going to say, like, right now, she's probably the most prominent Star Wars character. Fair enough. Um, uh, I mean, because, you know, everybody knows who Ahsoka is. Mm -hmm. Um, The, like, you know, there's Grogu and there's uh, Din Din Djarin. Yes. Din Djarin. Yeah. (laughs) But. uh, I love Katie Sackhoff. Oh, no, she's wonderful. uh, I've I've loved her since uh, Battlestar Galactica. I have not watched Battlestar Galactica, uh, but I do want to. Um, but I just I, every role I see her in, even fucking ha- Halloween Resurrection, she's the best part of that <laughs> she movie. Is. She's the best fucking part of that. She's <laughs> the only good part of that movie. She's also in, Wait, you don't like um, Ludacris? Uh, just like no, fucking... it's not Ludacris. It's uh, Busta Rhymes. Damn it! <laughs> but his karate fight his was my karate fight. Uh, I, I, know, I think it's kung fu, but I apologize. I I picked the wrong like. I picked the wrong musician with the weird name. It was oh, the movie's rough. She plays. Um, uh, she's in the movie Oculus. That's right. I um, forget that she's in that. She is. I always forget too because her character exists exclusively in flashbacks, but is like a major catalyst for everything that happens in the movie. Um, and she's great in that. She's. Uh, she plays. Oh gosh, I can't remember this character's name, but on the Flash, she plays this like metahuman criminal who can like control metal or like gold. Um, and she's just like, it's a really over the top, campy, like chew the scenery type of character in the Flash. No and, way! Like, <laughs> and she's just she's just killing it. But it's also so uh, uh, Amunet Black is her character. Okay. Um, but so different from Bo-Katan, who's, yeah. you know, more reserved and, um, so anyway, uh, but getting us back a bit, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar did win a People's Choice Award okay. for the Crazy Ones, uh, and as far as awards that she got for Buffy, um, she won a Teen Choice Award, she won some Saturn Awards, but the biggest award that she was ever nominated for was um, a Golden Globe, which actually I'm surprised by that, uh, in 2001, which would have been for season five. Okay. So I'm going to guess that was 
the body was probably the submitted episode. Probably. Um, and of course, she has, um, she does have an Emmy, uh, a daytime Emmy for All My Children. Okay. So, which I didn't know until she posted a picture of it one time, like on her Instagram. And I was like, I didn't know this. SMG like, and I, Emmy. I, I always assume that every actor that I like has had some kind of soap opera experience but I don't know to what extent and how successful <laughs> it's like how you know you expect every actor in a TV show or movie to have been on Law and Order at least once right. <laughs> at least once <laughs> um, so yes uh, Miss Di- Diane I almost said Diane Kruger Miss Doris Kroger <laughs> uh, Diane Kruger not in this episode nope. Um, she, yeah, she makes some judgy comments about Spike. Uh, she thinks she's her boyfriend. Buffy cuts that out real quick. Uh, she, when Willow kind of says something from downstairs, she's like, oh, you live with another woman? And Buffy has to be like, yes, but not, we're not gay. Well, she's gay, but we don't gay. And I love the, I love the gay being used as a verb. I do. I okay. But we don't gay. Not that there's anything wrong. Um, All the Seinfeld. No, there's it. We're not. No, there's anything wrong with that. Um, but yeah, she's, yeah, she's so judgmental. And she tells Buffy basically, like, I have Dawn's best interest at heart. And I'm like, well... Okay. I, I, I believe you think you have Dawn's best interest at heart. Um, but she's going to recommend uh, probation. She's going to be keeping an eye on Buffy and Dawn very, very closely. Um, so Buffy's feeling like a real piece of shit right now. She is not having a good day, and Spike just comes I mean, in. welcome to season six. Right, yeah. <laughs> this week on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Buffy feels like shit. Uh, like, oh, damn it, did I miss an episode, or is it a rerun? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Spike comes back, and, uh, you know, at first he kind of tries to talk to her, and she's just like, just get the fuck out of here, Spike. And... Uh, you know, we're just highlighting this really unhealthy dynamic between the two of them yet again. Uh, he just kind of pins her up against the wall and we get a repeat essentially of the scene before in the kitchen, although this time he's just pulling the lighter out of her pocket. Which is very funny because, you know, she put that in the stuff to throw away. Yep. But she didn't. She went back for it. Yeah. Um, again, like, I, I get people... Like, kind of dogging me for, like, shipping Angel and Buffy. Because, you know, there's obviously some stuff that's bad about about that relationship. But, come on, guys. Are you really shipping... Are you really shipping Spike and Buffy? I think you all need to go see therapists. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I need to see a therapist, too. But that for completely different reasons. <laughs> um... Buffy, uh, Spike does also call Buffy uh, Goldilocks. He makes a comment about her hair. He likes how it's bouncy. Yeah. Uh, so Buffy goes upstairs and promptly chomps a bunch of it off. Um, this is not a good wig uh, that they've got her in. So it was a wig? It is a wig, okay. yeah. It's not good. Um, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar basically wanted to cut her hair and 
it's weird that they it's it's I guess they were like yeah sure and also I guess we can make that a thing in the episode but I'm just like Buffy has different hairstyles all the time it's like I guess it is pr- a pretty drastic cut yeah but... um so this immediately made me think of uh the episode of Boy Meets World where uh Topanga cuts her hair mm-hmm. um because uh Corey was basically like uh getting very insecure surprise surprise <laughs> um about like you know how he looked and his hair and Topanga was just trying to make a point that um, she was, and that like, you know, it doesn't matter. And so she like takes some scissors and starts cutting her hair. And then she like just freaks out. And then in that, in the course of that episode, she gets her hair styled and ends up looking even better. Um, fun fact though, that I've learned from listening to Pod Meets World, um, that was literally the first time in her life that Danielle Fischel actually got her hair, like, actually cut her hair. Interesting. Yes, they... It's not shocking when I think of what her hair looks like in that first season. <laughs> yeah, well, this is in season four. Oh, three really? Three or four, yeah, because it's when they're in high school. Okay. But, yeah, she, um... And then she, like, kind of walked everybody through, even though that's not the episode they were talking about, she was, like, walking people through, like, what the process was, like, how they had to get it, like exactly where they wanted her to cut it for the shot and um and she actually had like you know a couple support people there because she was a little traumatized by the fact like it was the first time that her hair was getting cut uh but yeah that i just thought of that and that was like legitimately her hair that she cut in that scene oh that's interesting yeah this is such a well-worn trope though right you know that some a woman specifically going through trauma um cutting her hair um what is it that paulette says in legally blonde the musical oh god fuck she says <laughs> uh damn it i can't remember i know what you're talking about but um, yeah it's like uh, the number one reason behind <laughs> bad hair decisions. all bad hair decisions yeah is uh is men or is love or something like yeah. that um i will say uh the cut is cute I love it. I love the when she finally like gets yeah. it styled. I think and, she looks and as I mentioned, the hairstyle I think it goes great with her top. Too. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's looking great. Mm-hmm. She's not feeling great, but yeah. Like, I, but I mean, don't get too attached to seeing that look yeah. because <laughs> then she becomes invisible. Let's talk about what the trio's been up to. Yes. So we did, we learned that the diamond that they stole. Remember that diamond they stole? Like, it seems so long ago. <laughs> we had so much like mental breakdowns from magic drug trips. <laughs> She, uh, they have built an invisibility ray, um, that they are going to use, uh, at least for their first, uh, uh, plan is to turn themselves invisible and go into, um, a a spa spa and spy on naked women. Yep. That's great. I love it. I'm so happy to have to watch this. Um, there, there is a great line from Andrew that I wrote down uh, when Warren is done uh, building the invisibility ray, and like both uh, Andrew and Jonathan are kind of unimpressed by it. And uh, Andrew <laughs> says, "I was expecting more ILM, less Ed Wood." Um, which, uh, for those of you all who don't get that, ILM is short for Industrial Light and Magic, which is. Um, a special effects studio that is probably most famously associated with Star Wars. Yeah. Um, 
So therefore, it falls right into the realm of <laughs> reference for our boys, for the... You know what? I'm not going to claim them for our trio. Yeah. Uh, but um, Les, S- Les Ed Wood is a reference to the director, Ed Wood, who is known for making schlocky um, B-science fiction movies um, and uh, most famously made Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah. Uh, there is a Tim Burton movie called Edwood, which is one of my favorite Tim Burton movies. And it is the story of Edwood um, and his relationship, particularly with Bella Lugosi, um, shot in the style of a black and white schlocky um, sci fi horror movie. And I honestly think it's brilliant. It's and really good. I, I uh, recommend it to anybody. Um, really, it's probably my second favorite Tim Burton movie and my favorite collaboration between Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. I saw Bella Lugosi in a film the other night. It was The Wolfman from 1941. He is in that movie. Yeah, yeah he plays the Romani fortune teller. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I'd ever seen it. Um, I. It's so funny about those Universal monster movies. I really didn't like either Dracula or Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess because I'm familiar with their source material, and uh, like, I mean, Frankenstein is one of my favorite novels I've ever written. Yeah, my too. Um, Dracula, I'm not a huge fan of, but I feel like the weird choices that were made for the Bela Lugosi movie were didn't make for a great movie. Um, but, you know, Invisible Man, Wolfman, those two are, like, I think they're freaking fantastic. Yeah. I also am not a big fan of Frankenstein and Dracula. I've not seen The Invisible Man, but I really liked The Wolfman. I thought it was really good. I also, um, oh, this actually might not be, I think this might be RKO, actually, but Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, I throw it in that same thing. It's, um, it's a I different actually, studio, but it's that same year. I saw that for the first time. I think like last year, uh, Cinemark was doing like a double feature of that, and uh, not the OG Phantom of the Opera horror mm-hmm. movie, but the one that they made around like the other, the same time as the other Universal mm-hmm. Monsters, which is very different from the OG. If you can, like, I if you can still watch the OG. Lon Chaney fan of the opera from like the 1930s on Amazon Prime. Do it. It's pretty damn cool. It is good. It's really good. Um, ooh, I've also seen uh, the uh, mysterious case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. From there. It's good. It's, mm. it's good. Anywho. Um, tangents, tangents, tangents. They, uh, so yes, they take their, uh, um, the the invisibility ray to the spa they're about to invisible themselves um why they didn't do this at home i they're not very smart so i'm not gonna <laughs> um, they're, they're they're that very much like oh they're stupid geniuses yeah um but they spot buffy coming out of the salon um and spy, uh spy, warren uh gets distracted watching her and in his distraction uh, Andrew and Jonathan are able to get uh, grab the gun from him and are fighting and, over and I was honestly as shocked as Warren was <laughs> that they were able to just like take that and he didn't even notice like he looks and looks at his hand and is just like what the hell happened <laughs> they're arguing over who needs to be uh, invisible the most to hide from Buffy Andrew claims that she'll recognize him right away Jonathan claims that she'll recognize him right away 
Jonathan, Jonathan is, is right. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, at the end of the episode, we see Buffy not recognizing Andrew at all. At all. Who are you? And even before that, Buffy recognizes Jonathan's voice several times before putting the pieces together. But then he cleverly disguises it. <laughs> um, so yeah, in the sky... Well, here's the thing. Why do you think that Warren was distracted by Buffy? Do you think that he was immediately thinking like, how can I how can I like attack the Slayer with this and just like forgot about the naked women? Or do you think like what do you think? I no, I do. I think based on how he acts later in the episode, um, because you know, well, let's just put this cards on the table now since we're on we're talking about it. We, we've kind of we've talked about how of the three of them, Warren. It seems like he has the his moral compass is the least compassy. That, that was not a good metaphor, <laughs> but this episode really plays it out. We see that Andrew and Jonathan really are just kind of cosplaying as villains. Warren, I like is, that. I like that. Uh, yeah. I like that way of putting it. Uh, Warren is truly despicable. Yes, um, and we've said that before. And like yeah. one of his biggest traits that we've seen since his first appearance is his misogyny. Yeah. So I don't know if he was specifically thinking like, "Hey, if I shoot her with the ray, it'll do all this." I'll, you know, I don't know if he's actually formulating a specific. Well, I, I don't think he knows that yet. He doesn't yeah. know like what the what the invisibility ray will initially do. He does, however, plan on you know killing her with it later. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I do think he is at least form- thinking like, "How can I turn this to my advantage to take her out?" And I gotta say. I mean, he is honestly one of the most despicable characters in the series. Yes. I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, one that I would put higher. Uh, There's a season seven uh, supporting villain played by a very well-loved actor. Oh, uh, <laughs> hang on. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Yes. <laughs> All right, unspoiler. Um, <laughs> um, I, I had to clarify that. Yeah, uh, but uh, I think maybe him. But fair enough. Um, but yeah, like he also has like a much, race. he has a much minor role compared. It feels like his role is more minor compared to Warren. Yeah, but yeah, like Warren and Adam Bush. Just, I mean, I, I feel bad for him because he probably after being Warren in this role, I. I I'm sure he's been in other stuff. Yeah. But um, after being Warren, he probably got like a lot of like that hatred that pe- that people who are obsessed with TV shows give oh, sure. to the actors who play the villains because he just plays that villain so well. He just nails how despicable of a of a person Warren is. Yeah. And we haven't and mild spoilers, guys. We haven't even seen the worst of it. He. Um, I feel like I saw him in something recently. But um, he uh, uh, he and Amber Benson actually dated for quite a while. I did know that. Um, and they they uh, they also co- wrote together, collaborated on some projects together. Um, what was it that I saw him in recently? Oh, well, okay. It's actually it wasn't. I watched it recently, but it wasn't a super recent thing. It was an episode of the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Um, okay. He plays like 
some guy. I definitely, <laughs> watched, I definitely watched that show before I started watching Buffy. Yeah. So I definitely had that moment of like, what? Um, so uh, in the scuffle over the the gun, uh, it goes off a tree, a dumpster, a some pylons. Some pylons uh, the traffic a, cones. <laughs> um, a uh, fire hydrant and a slayer all get mm-hmm. invisibled. Um, and so that's fun. Um, at the magic box, the uh, Anya and Xander are planning the wedding. Uh, they're specifically planning seating charts. And they, they cannot agree over where... Uh, certain people should sit. Uh, From Xander's aunt to Tahafran. Yeah. They do... Anya does suggest sitting Tahafran with Xander's parents and uh, uh, his uncle Rory by the bar. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I think we've had references to Uncle Rory before. We, we have. Yeah. I think there was... I, I think whenever a member of Xander's family is brought up who isn't his parents, I think it's, <laughs> it's Uncle, uncle Rory. Rory. Um, Buffy comes in and she is having the time of her fucking life. Um, I will say, uh, while it's coming from a pretty dark place, it is, at least for the moment, nice to have Buffy just being kind of playful and joking. So, here's the thing. I kept waiting i for some reason in my head i thought that this was a thing turned out not to be but i kept waiting for the explanation that the reason that buffy is like so carefree and happy-go-lucky when she's invisible is that just as like the ray the ray's effects are breaking down like her molecular tissue Mm -hmm. or whatever i thought it was also like breaking down like her inhibitions oh and for some reason in my head i had that 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 was a thing in this episode uh maybe it's just something that i thought (laughs) when i watched it at the time and never like and never like reinforced that no that was never specifically said i mean i do think psychologically that's what's happening i think that she's able it's not physically doing that to her but i think that psychologically she has disconnected herself from the world that she's been trying to disconnect and, from. And when you think about it, like, I mean, who, who, what wouldn't that happen to? Yeah. Who wouldn't that happen to if they were to become invisible? Yeah, I think anyone who found themselves in that position would would be acting similar. With Buffy in particular, she's just going through so much trauma that it just, like, amps itself up. Well, um, here's the thing. What would you do if you were turned invisible? If you were, like, invisible for a day? Haunt people that I hate. That... Are you shocked to hear that? No. Um, <laughs> honestly, I'm a little shocked that I didn't immediately know the answer to the question. I, and I feel like I know at least one person that you would haunt like <laughs> right away. Like you would beeline to that person. <laughs> I wouldn't do pervy things. I'm not interested in that. Um, I can look at porn on the internet like everyone else. Um, I would probably steal some stuff. But like only from rich people. I'd, I would rob from the rich and I would totally me. Robin Hood. Um, and I'm needy, so um, let's see what else would I do. Oh, certain politicians would not be having a good day. I like to think I would use my invisibility powers mostly 
for good. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jason? Um, I don't know. Like, part of me wants to say that I like want to sneak into uh, into like concerts or something, oh, and nice. like like you know go go see a show of a uh, of a like person that I really want to see, but like be able to like stand backstage or something and. Um, Again, like, I wouldn't want to do pervy things either. Like, when I say, like, oh, I'd, like, want to see them backstage, like, in their element or whatever. And just, like, you know, see something that you wouldn't see unless you worked on the on the tour or something. Um, and, uh... I'd sneak into the zoo. Okay. You do love the zoo. I love the zoo. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty sure that there would be, like, an insecure part of me that would want to, like, you know, be in the room with my friends while I'm like not there and just making like making a note of that <laughs> for later conversations with Jason <laughs> I'd like to think that I'm at a good point in my life right now that I would overcome that insecurity uh who knows like <laughs> things are very different when you're invisible um yeah like I don't really I don't have the urge to steal anything um I don't know like maybe go into like those like like VIP places that like you know you have to pay like thousands hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars to get into like uh, really see like what that restaurant inside the Cinderella Castle looks like in Disney World <laughs> it's like I, I'm, I, I gotta I gotta know you I, so you would want to go places you normally wouldn't be allowed yeah alright I respect but, that but in like not pervy ways not pervy yeah. ways yeah um Buffy explains to Xander and Anya that she had been at the salon and then she became invisible. Uh, Anya is very interested to know uh, what Buffy's hair looks like. And I just, it's, it, this is a great moment of comedy when Buffy just kind of describes it to Anya and Anya immediately is like, oh, that sounds so adorable. <laughs> um, but... Um, it's, the they, new, uh, it's the new prophecy girl dress. Yeah. <laughs> They, uh, Buffy, um, Xander is very concerned about this. Uh, they, they do they... make the reference to the previous Invisible, uh-huh. Invisible Girl, was it now? Marcy. Yeah, was that, was that before I came on to yes. this podcast? I was like, because I was trying to remember, like, I don't specifically remember that episode off the top of my head. That is season one, okay. Out of Mind, Out of Sight, uh, second to last episode. It's right before Prophecy Girl. Right before Prophecy Girl. Um, it is the first episode of the show that really heavily features Cordelia and actually gives her like okay. some depth. Um, I it's like one of my favorite. Like I would say, like after Prophecy Girl and Angel, it's like my favorite season one episode. It's really really good. Um, it's it also stars a very young uh, Clea Duvall um, as I love her. Uh huh. She's Marcy, the invisible I, girl. I love Clea Duvall. I am. Like, anytime I see something good happen to her, I'm so happy. <laughs> He's great. Have you ever seen But I'm a Cheerleader? No, but that has been heavily recommended it's to me. It's such a good movie. It's I went into it because it's a comedy set at a conversion camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I went into it kind of reticent, but uh, it was it's great. The first thing I think I saw her in was Heroes. And, um, Who is she in Heroes? She uh, she's like the cop that originally is working with Matt Parkman after he finds out about his 
Oh, wow. Yeah, she was. Yeah, that's like, and that's why I know her name, Clea Duvall. Also, it's a cool name. Yeah, she's got a great name. Yeah, like, I mean, Duvall's great, but then, like, Clea, yeah. too. Also, she's gay as hell, which she we is. love that here. We are very pro gay people here. Uh, yeah, we're not like Doris Kroger, homophobe. I mean, is it specifically stated that she doesn't approve of of uh, of like the gay? It's it's I of, feel of, like of Buffy possibly gaying with another woman. The way she <laughs> says "so you live with another woman." Fair enough. That could, yeah, the tone. The tone. Yeah. It's the tone. I don't care for. <laughs> <laughs> so. um... Yeah, Buffy's just having a great time, but Xander is very concerned. Um, they also note that, like, why would someone make the Slayer invisible? Feels like... And then Anya um, kind of hits the nail on the head, like, maybe it was a mistake. Yeah. she <laughs> Maybe maybe it's a bunch of idiots. <laughs> um, I do love Buffy's also got two, uh, like, balls, essentially. And she's, like, using them, like, as her eyes. <laughs> it's, it's really good. It's really good. And it just helps. I want to I wanna give credit to every single actor who ever has to share a scene with Buffy, quote-unquote, in this episode. I want to give, like, props to uh, the camera people yeah. for this, because that is... The camera work is key in yeah. this. I never don't know where Buffy is in this episode. Um, and that's impressive. Yeah. Espe- especially like in a scene like this where they've got a visual marker for us and you have Xander and Anya also interacting, like, you know, everyone's pulling the work. But there's like there's a scene the, where Buffy scene... comes into the house and yeah. it's just Buffy. Yeah, until Dawn comes in. Yeah. And yeah. And I can I that's do... like when I first thought that like, gosh man, the the real MVPs of this episode yeah. are the camera people. Absolutely. Um, after Buffy leaves, Xander uh, Xander was worried about this, and uh, Anya's like, it could be a spell, it could be a mistake. Well, who could have done that? Oopsie doozy. Maybe it was Willow. So finally, we get a fucking scene with Xander and Willow talking about all this stuff. Um, I don't blame Willow for getting upset and getting defensive. But you also can't blame Xander for making this assumption because, one, he doesn't know that the trio is working together. Yeah. And, I mean, so that kind of leaves magic users that would make a mistake like that down to um, Willow and Tara. Yeah. And And we know it ain't Tara. Yeah. (laughs) No, and it's... I think Xander approaches this as delicately as he can and the second willow tells him it wasn't me he believes her so i really appreciated that i really appreciate like i i see why he he thought it was her initially i see i see the care he takes in approaching her and I appreciate that he trusts her when she and, says she didn't do it and i do like even though it does kind of go along with the drug metaphor um, which we're not fans of. I do like, you know, the books all the way over there. And so she tries to, mm-hmm. like, at first she immediately like, tries to get it and then she stops. And then um, when she's doing the uh, research on the the search engine on the DMV website later, she's, like, literally, like, touching the screen about to magic it into yeah. working. And she stops. I, I like those. It, it feels like... It's like the first positive thing we've seen from Willow this entire season. <laughs> in a while, right? Yeah, and you know, I mean, I, I want to root for her. Yeah. Um, 
We love Will. Yeah, because she's she's Will. Um, she does. Uh, when Xander describes what happened, he explains that Buffy had left the salon, and she's like, "Buffy cut her hair." <laughs> <laughs> yes, apparently it's adorable. <laughs> it's a nice recurring gag. Um, but no, Willow is. Uh, like I said, while I understand, well, I I'm not mad at Xander for this. I also I understand where Willow is coming from, and she she leaves. Um, and so let's go over to Buffy who steals a woman's hat and then does what you would want to do if you became invisible, haunts the shit out of this poor Doris woman. She steals a parking enforcement, uh, little cart. She says, so long, (laughs) Kappa. Buffy. A cab since two thousand two, <laughs> um, and yeah, she goes straight to the social services offices, and <laughs> listen, Bubby shouldn't have done this, but um, yeah, she starts moving around Doris's mug, and then she was like, "Oh, kill them all, Doris!" Kill them all, Doris. <laughs> and then uh, when and then like uh, when Doris like uh, walks away for a minute. She um, then pulls a shining and decides to type out all work and no play makes Doris uh, a dull girl. A dull girl, and uh, and she just prints that like prints that out like just repeated very similar Jack Torrance yeah. in The Shining. Um, so this is where <laughs> this episode is like so tonally weird. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I mean we we mentioned how like. And Buffy mentions in the episode how she's able to take a break from being, from being, take a break from her life. It feels like the show's taking a break from being season six. Yeah. And that, that feels so weird. And I don't necessarily think that's pulled off incredibly well. I agree. I, I think, I think the instinct to go slightly lighter for an episode was correct. I don't, just don't think they were entirely successful at all the humor this, they were trying to yeah, pull this, off. Yeah, this, at times, especially at times like this, it seems like an episode from a whole different TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I'm, I, I think they recognize that it, the last several episodes have been bleak, bleak, bleak. We need to take, we need to let the audience breathe for a second, mm-hmm. but it's just not super successful. I do definitely feel like lighter than I did at the end of the last episode. So, I mean, I guess it did work in a way, but, like, not necessarily as well as it should have. Yeah. Um, So... It's a silly way to get to the point that they're trying to make at the end of the episode between Willow and Buffy. Yes. Um... Yeah, they, Doris has taken off the case. Yes. I don't know. And, uh, like... and a meeting in the summer's meeting is rescheduled. Yeah. So, I mean, good for Buffy. Good for Buffy, able I to make guess. a better impression. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's part of me that's like, oh, do, does everyone at the social services office just jump to conclusions? Um, or does Doris have a history of unhinged behavior? People were, people were like very um, visibly confused slash upset with how like she's just like starting to yell at random things so maybe like doris is just so tight-knit and she's like one of those by the book like ready to rubber stamp like take custody away from people uh maybe like 
to see her just do that, maybe people were kind of like, oh, good, we've got an excuse to just, like, give us a break from Doris. <laughs> that sounds like a bad work environment, but yeah. I, I, let's not I, get into that. I cannot imagine that the Sunnydale Social Services office is the greatest place to work. No. Nowhere in Sunnydale is a good place to work. Um, Buffy then goes to Spike's, and uh, she starts she rips off his shirt she gives him a blowjob I mean there's no way around it that is what is happening and uh, yeah then we uh, we see the trio and that's when they figure out like around the same time that uh, that Anya and Xander do um, they're figuring out that like this invisibility is breaking down Buffy's Mole- yes. Like it will break down Buffy's molecular structure, and that's when we get that very important scene where um, Andrew and Jonathan say to Warren, "Hey, we 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 never wanted to kill anybody. Um, like we're we're trying to like Lex Luthor doesn't kill Superman. It's like that's because it's Superman's book, idiots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, like they, I, I really like the whole cosplaying as supervillain. Oh that's, yeah." That that is a great way of putting it. Probably like one of the best scriptures I've ever heard of like yeah, the trio. They don't they they don't think of what they're doing as anything serious outside of Warren, who mm-hmm. you know we'll, we'll get to him. Yeah, um, Xander does find Willow at the at the salon where she is very ingeniously using some spray paint to collect evidence um, and figure out what's been invisibled. Um, she has found some tire marks. Um, and she scraped off some black paint from the invisible fire hydrant, which only could have been there after uh, it was invisibled. And Xander um, probably runs into it. He does. Uh, but that they start to put the pieces together about the black van that Buffy has been seeing. Uh, she uh, takes the, the the paint scrapings and she gives Xander a pylon god every time i hear that all i can think of is starcraft and if you play the uh the protoss and uh you basically can't build anything unless you have like a pylon in um in the area so um if you ever like are trying to build stuff but you don't have enough pylons you hear the must construct additional pylons (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I'm wondering if because yeah, it's a traffic cone. Um, you think they just say that out west? I, that's what I was. I'm wondering. I was like, is that a, a West Coast thing that they're called pylons? I I don't really know how to how to look that up. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyone on the West Coast, do you say traffic cone or pylon? Um, also, shout out to my StarCraft fans out there. I hope you construct all the pylons you need. But, um, so yeah, Buffy, as we mentioned earlier, Willow is searching on the DMV's website. Um, uh, Anya and Xander are trying to locate more invisibility spells. Xander is. Anya (laughs) is still planning the wedding. Um, and then when, like, they touch the, when they touch the, uh, the pylon, it feels like putting your hand in pudding. Yeah, specifically... Rice pudding or tapioca, yeah. one that's a little more chunky. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she, um, they realize that 
this might happen to Buffy. So Xander goes looking for her. He goes to Spikes and he's like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> because Also, like, way to fucking knock Xander. No one knocks at Spikes. That's true. <laughs> and that also is kind of rude. What if, he, what if he is... What if he is having sex with an invisible lady? Well... As he was at this moment. That is what he's doing. And uh, he tells Xander that he's doing exercises. And uh, Xander just tells him, like, if he sees Buffy, he needs to let Buffy know to find him right away. It's super important. Buffy is fucking reveling in being able to get away with this right under her friend's nose. Mm-hmm. It's, um, she's, like, biting his ear. She's, yeah... But, you know, um, once again, Spike is calling her out for it. It's like, you're only doing, you're only here because you can't be seen. And, uh, you know, Spike's shown those feelings that uh, are only convenient to show when they're hurting. Uh, because, you know, doesn't really care about the feelings when uh, when he's, like, you know, feeling up Buffy in the middle of their kitchen. Yep. Uh what a toxic man! Yeah, and, and let's be and let's be fair. I, I mean, I would say you know, of but, the two of them, Spike is obviously worse. But Buffy's not coming at this from, you know, her behavior is not great either here. Yeah, and you know, and I'd say Spike is totally justified in saying, "Hey, like, you know, you're treating me like this, and I don't deserve it." Um, Maybe he's like 90% justified. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like, it, it's kind of an important scene for him. And uh, just goes to show that, yeah, this relationship is unhealthy on both sides. Every, from every possible angle. So Buffy goes home. Uh, she's getting some pizza from the kitchen when Dawn comes in. It's not really, there's not a lot of attention brought to it, but it should be noted that. When Dawn was leaving for school, Buffy told her to come home straight away. And it's clearly after dark. Um, and Dawn is, like, sneaking into the house. So, uh, uh, but not only is it not common to Dawn, Buffy doesn't even seem to really care. She's just too, like... Hey, you want to see something cool? Look at this pizza flying around. Yeah, and... Like you said earlier, this is where I feel Dawn's attitude towards Buffy is justified. Yeah. Um, she's like, this is fucked up. Why, why are you acting like this? Why aren't you worried? She's not like, worried. She doesn't know like how it happened. She doesn't know how to reverse it, but she also doesn't seem to care about it. Mm-hmm. And so Dawn storms off. I love Dawn's line, um, paraphrasing here, like... Uh, how can I talk to you when I can't even see you? Yeah. Because it speaks so, I mean, obviously very literal, but it also, on like a deeper level, it really shows the distance that Buffy has had, not just with Dawn, but with everyone, really. Yeah, and also like the fact that, you know, people in Dawn's life are disappearing. I mean, Tara's no longer living there. Um, And uh, Willow, like, kind of just really lost all of Dawn's trust in the last episode. Yeah. Um, so Buffy gets uh, the message from uh, Xander about the um, the pudding. The pudding. Uh, from she gets that off the answering machine. Meanwhile, Willow has tracked down the address for the van, 
She goes down into the lair of the trio, sees the plans for the invisibility ray. But I'm almost certain it smells like a foot down oh, there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> a foot and some pizza rolls. I do like pizza rolls, but not foot rolls. Get some leftover pizza rolls at home from a movie night last night. Um, but yeah, she immediately gets kidnapped by uh, the trio who have invisible themselves. They make a big deal about using the duct tape on Willow, but then they immediately take her to a public place where they can't have the duct tape on her. Yeah. So <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay, that duct tape was clearly just to show, hey, you're getting kidnapped. <laughs> kidnapped. Um, so Buffy is about to leave the house to go meet up with Xander. That's when she uh, gets a phone call from Jonathan uh, telling her to meet them meet them at this arcade because they have Willow. As I mentioned, Buffy recognizes the voice and he's like, no, no, you don't. You don't You've know never met So yeah, Buffy goes to the arcade. They've got Willow kind of up against a pinball machine. He's like, Buffy's like, who are you? And he's like, don't worry about it. We have you surrounded. And Willow immediately is like, they're bluffing. There's only three of them. (laughs) (laughs) Willow, you're really... You've been testing my patience, but you're you're warming me. I'm warming back up to you. Yeah, this is a a good Willow episode. Like, we're we're back to... And again, I mentioned this in Tabula Rasa when, um, you know... Willow wasn't aware of her magic after um, after the memory spell went mm-hmm. into effect. Uh, and so, like, her very first instinct is to be resourceful yeah. and figure out what's going on. And now that she's, like, not using magic at all, trying not to, she is being incredibly resourceful. And she's the one who figure, who's able to locate the trio. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, that's our old Willow. That's our old Willow. Um, so... Warren agrees to revisible her. <laughs> um, he asks her to hold up a like a um, an air hockey. Uh, what would you call that? Uh, I don't know. Air hockey it's puck the hitter. Puck. Yeah, it's not a puck. <laughs> I, I don't know what it's called. Um, wow! Uh, but he asks her to pick it up just so she has a target. He has a target to aim for. Uh, but Willow sees that he has it set essentially to kill. Um, and they uh, a big scuffle happens. Yes, uh, Warren gets hit in the head with those uh, air hockey things twice. Loved it. <laughs> um, and yeah, Buffy just wipes the floor with them. Well, yeah, because like, they're like they're three nerdy dumbasses. Yeah. Uh, Willow is able to get a hold of the uh, of the invisibility ray, and she. I love this progression because like it's right when. Buffy has a hold of Jonathan. It's just like, wait a minute, I know that voice. And then she gets revisibled, and uh, and it's Jonathan. And then uh, and then uh, Willow shoots at the ball pitch, like and Warren. And then she shoots at the uh, broken pinball machine. And he's like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Poor Andrew. He's like, I set the flying monkeys. Of Tucker's at brother. The school play. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, it's Tucker's brother. And they're like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that is like that is such a good joke. It's a great joke. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, so yeah, Bobby's like, wait, you three are the what, you banded together to be pains in my asses? <laughs> there and Warren declares that they're her evil nemesis. Nemesis? Nemesis? 
It is Nemesis. It is Nemesis. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, which we'll get a great callback joke later in the show, but they use a smoke bomb and get away. Well, not at first. Not at first. <laughs> because they get into a locked door. But a security guard distracts Buffy and Willow long enough for the trio to get the door open. Willow's like, oh my god, Buffy. And she's like, yeah, they got away. And Willow's like, no, your hair, it's so cute. <laughs> uh, but then they get to the end. My favorite scene in this episode, personally. They sit outside and uh, Buffy, you know, they talk about basically they both had a real shit day, but they got through it. And uh, Buffy explains that, you know, she was, for the first time in a while, when she found out that she was going to die. Turn into pudding. Turn into pudding. She didn't want to. And that's so significant. Like, it is. It's, she's not better, necessarily. She's still got a ways to go. But sometimes that first step, when you're in that sort of really, really serious, deep depression, we've you know, we've already talked about the fact that in Once More Feeling, she the end of that was essentially a suicide attempt. Sometimes that first step is just saying, I don't want to die. So, and that's where we leave them this week. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, like it's a for me, it's a mixed bag episode. I appreciate that we go slightly lighter direction, and there are some really, really funny moments, but it's really tonally all over the place. It is. Um, but I, I, I like ending it on this moment, and I felt the same way with Rex, even though I hated it. Ending on these moments of healing between Willow and Buffy, yeah, is really it, nice. It's a strange road to take to get to the destination that you mm-hmm. like. Yeah. So, Gone is going to be a two and a half melted pudding pylons out of five. You know what? I'm actually going to go right there with you. Two and a half um, unspied on bikini waxes. Nice. (laughs) All right. Anything else before we get out of here? No, except that I'm very excited for our next Buffy episode. It's Double Me Palace. Oh, shit, really? Yes. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay, so listeners, we are unapologetic Double Me Palace lovers, which is a controversial opinion to have. I want to, uh, we'll tell the story about why this is such like a fun thing to talk about, um, which goes back to like our first TomCon appearances. Uh, we'll tell that like at the beginning of mm-hmm. uh, our actual Double Me Palace episode. We do you have an angel episode before them? Yes, I think actually we, have, we might have two Angel episodes okay. before that. I can't remember how the schedule pans out, but... Yeah, um, I do have to say, like, I, I remember you saying that this was an incredibly weak trilogy. Um, well, this is arguably, like, the strongest part of the trilogy, mm-hmm. um, especially from our rankings. Uh, let's see. Um, yes, uh, Smash got, like, two out of five from both of us, and I uh, didn't write down Rec because I didn't have our... I didn't have, like, the, the book with me. That probably got, like, a 2 or 1.5. I think it got a 1.5, I believe. Uh-huh. So this is, like, the strongest installment <laughs> of it. But, yeah, not the not the best, especially the fact that it had to follow once more and Tabula Rasa. Yeah. No. All right. Take us out, Jason. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel Season 3, Episode 11, Birthday. I like this episode. Um... 
I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram on Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamj 357 And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out. Andy. Oops, sorry. Sorry. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, and each week, normally we like to give a shout out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. Um, though, in light of the events in our hometown this week, we just want to encourage you to do whatever you can to support common sense gun legislation um, and organizations that support that, whatever that means to you. Mm-hmm. And as always, go slay and be gay and invisible. And go gay. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.